All right. Good morning, Calvary Vista. It's great to see you all. I love when we get together and worship. Just praise God for our worship team. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Well, I wanted to say good morning once again, and I also want to acknowledge our online viewers and listeners. We're thankful for you guys to tune in, and there's nothing like being in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Just a sweet, sweet time. Uh, Like Pastor Rob said, I oversee the young adults ministry here at the church. We meet every Monday at 7 o'clock here in the lobby. If you're free, come and join us. Young adults is from ages 18 all the way to 30. And then tomorrow, just a short plug, is going to be our game night. So bring in your card games, bring in your board games. It's going to be a time of fellowship and fun. And that's going to be tomorrow at 7. Okay, so enough about games right now. We're here to get into the word, right? Well, we have been studying through the book of Acts for over a year, and we're now nearing the end of the book. And for the past few weeks, we've been following Paul's journey and highlighting the testimony of his faithfulness, or really God's faithfulness in his life, while he awaits trial before Caesar. And In his time of waiting for his trials, Paul would write what we know as the prison and the pastoral epistles, which are in the New Testament, and they are the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and Titus. Just by show of hands, how many of you have ever read all those books before? Wonderful, I love it. In Paul's letters, you know this if you've read them, he'd often give shout-outs to his buddies in the ministry as he wrapped up his letters and to the specific churches that he planted and visited. And one of the guys that Paul gave reference to not once, not twice, but three times was this man named Demas. In our time together, we're going to take a break from our study in the book of Acts to do a character study on Demas, and I'd like to outline our time into four parts, closing with a time of response. Number one, who is Demas? Number two, what is the Demas disease? That's our sermon title, the Demas disease. Number three, what are the antidotes for the Demas disease? And then finally, a word of application. Let's pray once again as we dive into the scriptures. Father, We breathe in your presence, and we exhale gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, that you've assembled us here and online to have an encounter with you. And I pray that our hearts would be open and soft, that by your spirit, you would speak directly into our lives to encourage us, to strengthen us, to rebuke us, and to lead us in your ways everlasting. We ask, Lord, that as we sit under you and your presence and your word, that you would transform us, that you would be the one to sanctify us from glory to glory. We also, Lord, pray a blessing over Rob and Denise as they're out of town. Lord, give them rest and energy and strength. And Lord, for us today, may we hear you, see you, experience a touch of heaven in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So number one, who is Demas? If you were featured in the Bible, question for you, what sort of adjectives would you want to be attached to your name and character? Adjectives that come to mind, I hope to be known as someone who is faithful, someone who is a lover of Jesus, someone who serves well, a disciple, a great friend, a person who is all in. Well, we come to this character, Demas, in the scriptures, and he was a guy who started 
to be all in, but we'll see towards the end of Paul's life, at least, was not all in. We had a young adult retreat at the earlier uh, weekend of this month, or yeah, last month, late last month, and it was all about the importance of being all in. And what the Lord stirred in my heart was, for me to be all in to Jesus is going to be the best thing for me in my marriage. If I'm all in for Jesus, it'll mean I'm all in for my wife. If I'm all in for Jesus, it's, it's going to impact the way I father, so I'll be all in for my son, John. And if I'm all in for Jesus, it'll impact the way I do ministry, so I'll be all in at Calvary Vista. And we have this guy, Demas, who was all in, but like I said, towards the end, he was not. And so the conviction of my heart as I was preparing for this is, what does it look like for us to be all in and to finish well and to do this for the glory of God. So let's look at Demas. Demas is mentioned three times in the New Testament. Let's look at the first two honorable mentions. In Philemon and Colossians, the verses will be on the screen. Paul writes this in Philemon 1, 23 and 24 in his closing greetings. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. And in Colossians, he says, towards the end of his book, as he's writing to the church in Colossae, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Notice the adjectives attached to Demas. My, Paul says, my fellow laborer, my. Demas was part of Paul's crew. This is a cool spot to be in. Paul's a great pastor, great leader. And Demas was part of that crew. He was a close friend in the ministry and a companion. He was one who worked alongside of Paul. Maybe he even encouraged Paul. Maybe he even prayed for him and supported him. And we've heard it said that there's nothing better than serving God with the people that you love. And I think that Demas was a guy that Paul loved to serve God with. He's not mentioned uh, once, but he's mentioned three times. And so this guy had an impact on Paul's life. But notice this, he was my fellow laborer. This Greek word for fellow laborer is where we get the word synergy. And we know this synergy is the combined power of a group when they are working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. So simply put, this is teamwork at its best. This is the way Paul was describing Demas. When Demas and I and Luke, when we all get together, we're forced to be reckoned with for the kingdom of God. And this is high praise from a guy coming like Paul. Demas, my fellow laborer. You would think that Demas would be well-known in the church. He'd be the guy that people would hold in high esteem when he walked into the room. Oh, wait, that's Demas. Wait, that's the guy that travels with Paul? Yeah, that's him. That's Demas. Maybe when he visited the churches, they'd give him a special spot and special attention. Or maybe even when he spoke, the people would pay attention all that more. People would wanted to meet him personally and have him pray over them and their ministries. And from these two verses, Demas seems like a really awesome guy. Like, I would want to be Demas' friend if this is the way Paul is describing him. So the first two mentions of Demas shed a really positive light on his character and person. Unfortunately, time would pass. Depending on how you date the scriptures, about six to eight years would pass. And towards the end of Paul's life and ministry, Demas is again mentioned, but this time with sad 
and unfortunate undertones. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 2 Timothy is Paul's last words to his son in the faith, Timothy. And you can hear the sad undertones from Paul, wanting to be with the people that he loved the most. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, Paul writes this to Timothy, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Notice the adjectives attached to Demas there. He's forsaken me. He loves this present world and he's departed. He's no longer with our group. He's no longer with our crew. This phrase, forsaken me, what a sad phrase for Paul to use at this moment in his life when he's about to go to trial and to die for the faith and he just wanted to be with his buddies and he says this to Timothy, can you come quickly? Only Luke is with me. Demas, he fell in love with the present world. He's departed. He's forsaken me. In a cold prison, old and striving to finish strong, Paul writes for Timothy, a son of the faith, please come and come quickly. He would later write, bring that cloak, which helps me in my imagination. Paul didn't even have like a little cloak for himself in that cold prison. He wanted closeness. He wanted fellowship. He wanted the parchment so that he can read. He wanted the cloak. He wanted Timothy. I think he also wanted Demas to be there too. But Demas left. And what does the word say? He says, having loved this present world. This word love here is a very strong word for love. It's the word agape. We know this. It's the unconditional love. It's this word love is the same word for love used in John chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, for God so loved, unconditionally, sacrificially, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Demas has loved unconditionally this present world. And this present world doesn't mean the people of the world, like we're called to love the people of the world, like Jesus. This present world means Demas fell in love with the status of the world, the standards of the world, the way of the world. This is such a sad thing for Paul to write to Timothy about. Imagine Timothy reading this letter from Paul. Demas? Wait, 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 the same Demas? He left? And no doubt, as Timothy's right in this, his heart is breaking, the church's heart is breaking, and Paul's heart is broken. This would have crushed him. Because at one time, we can imagine that Demas served God very well. He was Paul's fellow laborer. There was synergy when they worked for the kingdom of God together. Demas sat under great teaching. Paul, one of the, most, the, one of the greatest teachers in the New Testament besides Jesus, right? He sat under great teaching. He probably witnessed miracles by the hand of Paul. He probably witnessed lives being changed. He had great fellowship, yet he departed for the love of the world. And you, in those verses, can see kind of a downhill progression of the mentions of Demas. First, Demas is a co-laborer. Awesome. Secondly, in Colossians, Demas, he's there, but he just greets you. And then the third mention, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present age. So who was Demas? He was once a co-laborer with Paul. Now, 
at this point in 2 Timothy, he is one who is an apostate. He's left the love of God. Which brings us to number two. What is the Demas disease? The Demas disease is a, is a departure from the love of God for lesser things. The, the Demas disease is a spiritual disease and tendency for all those who are a part of God's kingdom. Take warning. This is, this is a disease that is spreading rapidly in these last days. We know this. We see it. We hear it even today. We know people who are suffering from this disease, and may God help us. The Demas disease is leaving the love of God and falling back in love with the world. We see that Demas departed Paul. He departed what Paul stood for, the sake of the gospel. He departed the love of God for immediate gratification from the world. And I have to ask myself, putting in Demas' shoes, because he was a real guy, what was it truly about the world that so enticed Demas? Was it the riches? Was it the status? Was it security? Was it not having to live by faith anymore? Or maybe was it seeing Paul in prison, not wanting to be put in trying and uncomfortable situations? Or, or was he embarrassed of what it meant to follow God? If this is Paul and he's following God, do I really want that? Was it the ministry hurt? Or was it even ministry burnout? What happened to Demas? We don't know the underlying causes. He just says the Bible doesn't specifically say. It's just Paul writes that Demas left having loved this present age. And so whatever the case, Demas chose to depart from Paul, demonstrating that he'd thrown away everything that he had in Christ for the things of the world. You can say this. Demas stopped stoking the flame of his relationship with Jesus, making it easier to fall back in love with the world. Man, oh man. Oh God, my God, I need you. We just sang, how I need you now. When we stop stoking the flame of Jesus, momentum can only carry us so far. But then we'll end up in a place and we're like, how did I even get here? And it's because we haven't been faithful with the small things of stoking our relationship with Jesus. Demas fell back in love with the world. Maybe the Apostle John had Demas in mind when he would later write in 1 John 2, 15 to 18. We know these verses do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is, this not, uh, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 1 John two fifteen to 18. John, the beloved, writes that it is vain to love the world because it is passing away. He's saying, if you want to love the world, you'll be loving a world that cannot fulfill you or give you what you need because you are an eternal creation and the world is not eternal. It is passing away. He also writes that if you love the world, you're showing that you really don't have the love of the Father in you. But so often we see in Demas and today in us that the world easily trips us up and tempts us away from the love of God. Remember Satan's tactics to Jesus in the wilderness? What did Satan tempt Jesus with, the Son of God? He tempted him with the kingdoms and the pleasures of the world. This is Satan's tactic, right? This is something that if he used against Jesus, he will probably use against you. You would think that you want to bring out the big weapons to use against the Son of God, right? 
And so these temptations that the enemy is using to Jesus, he also uses to us. And I think that the enemy used it in Demas' life. If we're not careful, we can catch this Demas disease. And if we're not careful, Demas' story could be our story. And maybe even today, this is your story. But here's the good news. There is antidotes for the Demas disease. Let's go to number three. There's healing from the Demas disease. So what are the antidotes for the Demas disease? Number one, the antidotes for the Demas disease is to number one, look forward to the coming age by living by faith today. What does the scripture say? Having fallen in love with this present world, Demas has forsaken. Demas was distracted by the love of this present age. Demas abandoned Paul having loved this present age. Demas stopped looking forward to the coming age and settled for what was right in front of him. This is good enough. This is okay. Maybe Demas didn't know that he was set apart for a specific kingdom that is yet to come, a kingdom that is unshakable, a kingdom that Jesus will rule and reign, that we get to be co-heirs with. Paul would write, we are citizens of heaven. We don't need to settle for the the kingdoms or or the, the standards of this world. We have a kingdom that we belong to that is much better, that is eternal. In God's kingdom, we're reminded that it's a place where justice, mercy, and grace freely reign, but it is a kingdom to come. It is not the kingdom that we see right now. We need to be praying, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want more of God's kingdom here on earth, but there's going to be a day when it's finally realized, when we get to sit under the authority of Jesus, but it is not today, and it requires faith to believe that I belong to a different kingdom. So what's the first antidote to the Demas disease? We need to look forward and live by faith today that I belong to a different kingdom. We belong to a different kingdom. Amen? Number two, as I was studying this, how else could Demas have stayed? How could he have been all in? Number two, I think if he practiced the presence of God, it would have made all the difference. Number two, antidote for the Demas disease. Practice the presence of God. We know this. God is present everywhere. We, we can never escape God's presence. By his spirit, God is present everywhere, and we should aim to have a constant awareness of him. As I've been marinating in this message and as the Lord was convicting me of, of being all in and the importance of being all in, I've been trying to make it a habit of being present in the presence of God. I want to challenge you. Try to be present in the presence of God. Maybe if Demas had a better, better awareness of God's presence all around him, he would have made a different decision. So what might it look like to practice the presence of God? If this is antidote number two, I love this quote from Brother Lawrence who wrote the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. Sometimes it seems so intense, but Brother Lawrence says this, God, or he, does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for the graces past and present he has bestowed on you in the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can. Lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company. The the little least remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. 
I love that. We don't have to shout to get God's attention. He is here. He is there. He will will never leave you nor forsake you. And God is present whether we are believers or not. He, by his spirit, right, he's with people. He's convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment. But for those who are believers, the spirit of God is not only with us, but is actually in us. This is the reality of the New Testament truth that Paul says, you are the temple of the living God. Which means wherever you go or as you go, you're bringing the presence of God with you. Which means that when people encounter you, they should be able to receive a touch of heaven because the Spirit of God is in you, with you, and ministering should be ministering through you. What might it look like to practice the presence of God? A thought here or there. I love that. Lord, I know you're here. What would you say about this situation? Or, Lord, I'm confronted with a decision. What, what should I do? So to practice the presence of God, of God is really the elementary verse that is so pivotal in all our Christian lives, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In some of your ways, wait a, wait a second. No, no, wait, right? You guys know it. In? Thank you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Not in some of your ways, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And notice that this is not just a good suggestion, but this is a critical command for us to obey. And I love this. In the trusting and knowing of Jesus and walking with him in his presence, we come to fall deeper and deeper in love with him, which helps to feed our dependence on him. It's like the more I seek him, the more I find him, the more I find him, the more I love him, right? You all have that testimony. Uh, in in uh, his, his book, too, Brother Lawrence would write, uh, in the practice of the presence of God, we must know before we can love. So we must know that he's with us before we can love him. In order to know God, we must often think of him. So we have to think. And when we come to love him as we think of him, we shall then also think of him often, for our hearts will be with our treasure. I love that. The more I think of him, the more I know him, the more I fall in love with him, which helps me to feed my dependence on him and to practice his awareness. Uh, One of the things, a fond memory growing up in our house, um, Saturday mornings were kind of like the yard day, you know, yard work day. And uh, we had five big St. Bernards at the time. So if we were not diligent to collect the droppings of the St. Bernards, Saturday was the day to do it. Good thing I have five brothers, so we all had shovels, right? We all had a designated kind of patch in the backyard to kind of take care of. Uh, But what I would love about these Saturdays is uh, we would wake up to the smell of bacon. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. So my dad is downstairs making uh, either, either scrambled eggs and bacon, or sometimes it was bacon and rice, or sometimes it was uh, pancakes and bacon or waffles and bacon. Uh, but always my dad is, you know, bless his heart. He's not the best singer, but he would be blasty in the radio. And, and, and I would always remember it was when it was uh, smell the bacon. I would always hear the song, draw me close by Michael W. Smith, his version. And I would come down to my dad in his loud, boisterous voice, you know, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. 
You are my desire. No one else will do. Because nothing else can take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back to you, the chorus, because you're all I want, you're all I've ever needed, you're all I want, help me know you are near. So my dad making bacon, that song going around, but it stuck with me. And whenever I, whenever I was faced with hard situations, that song, the Lord would use that to call it to remembrance, his nearness. And it helped me to remember that this space isn't just neutral space, but it's holy ground because the Holy Spirit is here. And in those times of having to make hard decisions or deal with hard things, the comfort of knowing God's presence is with me, was with me, will always be with me, Help me then to just take the next step. What if Demas sung that song? Maybe he would have had a different testimony. So number one, the antidote for the Demas disease, look forward to the coming age by living by faith today. Number two, practice the presence of God. Number three, receive the continual and unconditional love of God. And how do we do this? We receive the continual and unconditional love of God by faith. God is so gracious to us, um, and he doesn't say that we need to earn his love. Uh, We don't need to be good enough to be loved by him. The truth is we are already loved by him today, now, tomorrow, and forever. From eternity past into eternity future, we are always going to be loved by God. What if Demas slowed down to pay attention to the love of God for him? Maybe he would have had a different testimony. What if Demas received daily the love of God for him? Maybe he would have made a different decision than to forsake Paul and turn back to the world. And here's the thing. When we know Jesus, we also can recognize that Jesus loves Demas. Wow. The unconditional love means that there's no conditions to God's love. So even though Demas mistreated Paul, went back to the ways of the world, God never stopped loving Demas. And this is good news. (laughs) We are tempted, at least I'm tempted, to pity people. How could you walk away? Haven't you tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord? Like, how have you gone astray? I can have, we can have a critical spirit towards the Demas of today, but I believe that Jesus' heart for Demas and the Demas's today was that not of condemnation, but of compassion and unconditional love. And this is good news because if we're honest, we've all been Demas at one point. We've all been Demas at one point. And maybe the Lord has drawn you out here today because you are a Demas today, and he wants to rescue you by his love. A pastor commenting on the love of God wrote this prayer in a blog. I want to share it with you. He says, I praise you, Father, that the most important grasp in the gospel is yours, not mine. I don't trust in my love for you, but in your love for me. You will keep me from falling away from you. And when I do falter, fall, and fail, 
you will lovingly pick me up. You don't love me more when I do it right, and you don't love me less when I don't. What a beautiful prayer, right? We've all been Demas. And I'm so thankful that God's love extends even to the most wretched Demas in all of the planet. What a beautiful prayer. And I think it's a call to, remember, to embrace the weakness of our limitations. I like that. I don't trust in my love for you, but I trust in your love for me. But it's the embrace of the weakness of our limitations and, and the bringing them to the Lord, knowing that he forgives, restores, and redeems by his unconditional love. And I think of Paul. Paul finished well, but Paul wasn't perfect. He called himself the chief of sinners, right? In Romans, he's like, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, I am doing. And so Paul was a sinner just like us, uh, in process, just like us. But he learned the strength of embracing his weaknesses. You know, he wrote to the church in Corinth about God's answer to a prayer that he would prayed for a thorn in the flesh to be taken away. And, and he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And 10, and Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's the reality. God is not looking for our strength. He's looking to give us his Pastor Caleb reminded me of this on Wednesday. God is not looking for our strength. He's looking to give us his. My strength is limited. It can only take me so far. But the unconditional strength and love of the Lord is able to help me to endure, and it's sustaining me throughout all my days and all for our eternity. Our problem is not our weakness, but it's our self-reliant cleverness that keeps us from relying on God. It's our addiction to our own capacity that closes the door of God's power on our life. When we think we can do it, God's like, go for it, (laughs) lovingly. And when we come to the end of ourselves, he's there. I got you. I got you. We can't love God in and by our own strength. We need his and the good, uh, we need his love and strength. And the good news is that God freely gives us his strength when we embrace our weaknesses and bring them to him. So what does it look like to receive the love of God unconditional? Receive it by faith, but receive it by embracing our own limitations and saying, God, I can't do it. I can't be all in apart from your spirit working in me and through me and fill me with you. And I believe that's a prayer he loves to answer. So, What does this mean for us as we close an application? We, like I said, are all prone to the Demas disease. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin for we have become partakers of christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion there is a real threat that we have to wrestle with and it's the issue of our heart i love how rob uh, salvato says the, the heart of the issue is always the issue of the heart And we can run away, but we'll always have our heart to wrestle with. 
the, the author of this song, he, he goes, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. There, there's no better place for your heart to be than sealed in God's presence and in his care. But we will always have an issue with the heart. This is part of our sanctification, our process of becoming more and more like the Lord, that we can be deceived through the deceitfulness and the hardness of sin. And so what might our application be? Number one, we have to confess and repent. And this is part of embracing weakness. But we need to drop the masks. Drop the masks that we've got it all together. Uh, I, I've, I've seen in my own life that the problem with holding my mask before God is that the mask blocks me receiving the sweet love of God for myself. It's a barrier. But when I let, let the mask go through confession and repentance, I'm then able to freely receive the love of God right in my face. Thank you, Jesus. I love this thought that sin festers in the dark, but it is incinerated in the light. When we confess our sins and our weaknesses unto the Lord, those things are burned up. Those things are covered by the blood. Those things have no more power over us. We can be confident that the Lord is the one who forgives us and to to clean us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a prayer of confession could sound something like this. Lord, I'm here. I've come to meet with you. I'd rather be somewhere else. (laughs) I'd rather be doing something different, but here I am. Only you can awaken my heart to desire you. I can't make it happen, but you can, so here I am. I sit with a divided mind, but I long for a singularity of heart, so here I am. And it's a prayer that I've prayed multiple times as I walk with the Lord. Lord, I'd rather be doing something different, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, but here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I sit here with a divided mind, but I, I, I so desire a, a singularity of heart, Lord, so here I am. And I, I, every time I've prayed that honest prayer, the Lord needs me. It's like humility draws his grace in, right? <laughs> and that's the truth. Humility welcomes the love and the strength of God to impact our lives so we can confess and repent. Number two, we can ask. Ask ourselves. Take a walk with us today. What can I do today to better practice the presence of God tomorrow? Is it setting a reminder or an alert on your phone to just stop and breathe in his presence to, to, to remind you that you're not alone? As you go on your day, is it an alarm for your lunch to say, hey, before I eat, before I hang out, the Lord is here with me. And so maybe you can set an alarm. Or maybe you need to be a little bit more extreme. extreme. Maybe you need to cancel an appointment or, or you maybe need to rain check for something to give you space and margin to be with your first love. Maybe you need to do that. But what I've learned in having a, a new baby is that life is unpredictable. And I, I know that you guys know that too. Life is unpredictable. And so what I've been learning and loving to do is to take advantage of the moments in between moments. And, and every moment in between a moment is a moment for you to meet with the Lord. So, for example, a moment in between moments, John is napping. So I have this time from this time. I, I can clean, and my wife would love it if I clean. But I can pray. She'd love it if I would, you know, pray while cleaning. But I, I, I'm very basic, you know. But the, take advantage of the moments in between moments, or from appointment to appointment if you're driving. Like, turn off the radio and say, Lord, I know that you're here in this car. 
And would you bless this next appointment? And I pray for the people that we're meeting with, and I pray for their hearts, and I pray for their families, et cetera, et cetera. Taking advantage of the moments in between moments. I think that's part of the idea, redeeming the time for the days are evil. So we can confess and repent. We can ask ourselves, what can I do today to better practice the presence of God tomorrow? And then number three, we need to receive the continual and unconditional love of God for ourselves. How do we do this? We preach the gospel to ourselves. The gospel is not just for unbelievers. It's for us today. The gospel saves and sanctifies us. And so we need to be reminding ourselves that we are so loved by God that he sent his only son to die for you, for me, for all of humanity. Wow, that we have a God that so loves me in this capacity that he would call me his child That is what changes the heart. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm talking about an inward change of heart as we receive the love of the Lord. Then that impacts the way I behave. To receive the continual and unconditional love of God, we can let the word of God wash over us and soak it all in. I love the Bible app that I can turn it on and the ESV version on the U version. It reads the scriptures. So you can let the word of God just... You can just listen to the word of God. I don't know if you're a runner or a jogger or a walker. Listen to the word of God. Let it wash over you. And as you serve, I know that we're a church that serves so well. But how do we receive the continual and unconditional love of God as we serve? Well, we need to serve from a place of intimacy and love for the Lord. Remember that your doing for the Lord should flow out of your being with the Lord. Whenever we get it vice versa, we get into trouble. And sometimes I get it. There's going to be faster paces of life that, okay, Lord, we're, we're in a busy season, so we got to go, but that should never be the normal. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was always getting away to be with the Father. And from his time with the Father, then flowed tremendous and beautiful ministry. So remember that your doing for the Lord should flow out of your being with the Lord. And here's the real possible threat, that we can serve the Lord from a lack of intimacy. And we need to watch out for that. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, let's turn there together. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Here's a real warning that I want us to hold into our hearts and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance when we're doing for the Lord more than our being with the Lord. Revelation 2, verses 1 to 5. This is Jesus writing to the churches. And he says this, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That's awesome. Here we go. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Not lost, but you have left. Notice the word in there. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The church of Ephesus was doing everything right. And God saw it. I know your works. I know your labor of love. I see your patience. I see your perseverance. Those are awesome. Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You've left me, Jesus is saying. 
you've left intimacy with me for activity for me. And it's a real possible threat for us. I know that we serve well at Calvary Vista. May this be a warning to us to pump the brakes that when our doing for the Lord supersedes our being with the Lord and let us get on track with, Lord, I just want to be with you first to receive and then from that place, I'll serve. And in our repentance, remember that it is job, it's God's job to sustain us, not ourselves. We will never be perfect on this side of eternity as much as we want to try, um, but But with the power of Jesus working in us and through us, we can get better every day at this. And I love this acclamation, this proclamation from Jude, verses 24 and 25, to him, to Jesus, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So the Lord is able, he's able to sustain you, he's able to give you the love, he's committed to you. Though we have been a Demas, and though we may be a Demas right now, God is faithful, and he's able to sustain us, he's able to empower us, he's able to redeem us. And here's the thing about Demas, he isn't mentioned again in the New Testament. But I know that his story wasn't over. The best part of me wants to believe that he got sick of the world and he came back, but it's not recorded. And I think that's for a purpose. It's the tension that we have to wrestle with for ourselves. That am I, am I going to be a Demas? Or am I going to be like Paul who said, I have run the race. I finished the course. I hope that he repented. I hope that he lived a full life in Christ. I don't know. But here's a challenge for us today. What do we want to be known for? What adjectives do we want to be attached to our name? I know that God is all in for us. The question is, will we be all in for him? I want to, at the end of my day, to hear, well done, my good and faithful Aaron, servant, right? Come and enter into your father's rest. That's what I want attached to my name. But I know it's the daily decisions that I make today that affect the legacy of the future. As we close out our time in response and prayer, I'll call the worship team back up. And I know after a message like this, talking about first love and and receiving love, I know that we need to pump the brakes a little bit and not just move from another thing to another thing, but to soak it in, either for repentance or either just for comfort to receive the love of the Lord. But I want to invite those who know that they've been the Demas, who the Holy Spirit has been convicting them and they need to come home and would like to just come up and receive prayer to our prayer team. Uh, There's going to be people on the sides to receive people for prayer. If you'd like, I'll step down right over here and I'd love to pray with you uh, for those moments of repentance. Um, But what the Lord maybe is putting on my heart for right now is, yeah, you know you've been a Demas. You know that somewhere, maybe it's, it's your doing for the Lord that has superseded your being with the Lord and the Lord's calling you back. Or you've been entertaining the things of the world and, and you're not so much a Demas just yet, but you're really on that fence and you're teetering back and forth. I want to pray for you that the love of God will pull you right into the kingdom of God and stay in the kingdom of God. Amen?